we always have to get the music ready, but yes. Well, this is the first time we're doing it right after Gospel Well. And how do you feel? Did uh, you drink some coffee? No. You know, that's all we pastors do is drink coffee all day <laughs> and hang out. Yeah, and just and, uh, talk about theology and college basketball or something like that. Yes. How do you feel? Um, I feel a little tired, but I'm okay. Yes. How was your small group? It was good because the orphan versus child of God mm. chart, from that came a lot of sharing and mm. discussion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so much more accessible to mm. talk about because it addresses us and it's, it's quick in helping us to mm-hmm. see some of our characteristics right. and really talk about it. Right. So yeah. how about yours? I think uh, I'm richly blessed by our group. We... Uh, did the same thing, talked a lot about, you know, the orphan qualities. I think they listed five, but we basically, I just asked for one because that would have taken way too long, right, to do, to talk about all these different qualities. And um, I, I was curious, what did you pick for yours? Oh, that's interesting. At some point in my life, I, you know, certain characteristics were mm. a big issue. Mm. But then it subsided mm-hmm. as a characteristic or an issue. Mm-hmm. Of course, it appears its ugly head, you know, peaks up, goes mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. But the one that I've been uh, struggling with, realizing the last several weeks to mm-hmm. a month is what I call micro fears. Hmm. These little fears, even this morning, I was afraid of this. And I said, why am I afraid of this? Wait, what's one example of a micro fear? Micro fear? I haven't contacted this person. I should contact this person, but I'm afraid of contacting this person. But you did. I eventually do, but purely Mm. out of the opposite fear, I'm really going to be looking irresponsible. These little micro fears all throughout the day, Mm. and I notice it last several weeks to a month, and Mm. it's an issue. So so there's lack of confidence Mm -hmm. in these things that... A lot of the day-to-day work is mm. little things that you got to do. Right. Think people that you have to contact and may- maybe even small decisions, mm-hmm. but not that much confidence in mm-hmm. that. So that kind of adds up. Not it accumulates to a big fear, but it just adds up the stress. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's mine. Yeah. That's interesting. I For me, it was uh, this concept of drivenness. You know, it's, it's interesting because we talked about tensions and we talked about how we want to be a people who are convicted, motivated, energized, zealous. I mean, the word zeal is in scripture. Um, I, I, I think of Paul's words to Timothy, you know, he's poured out like a drink offering. He's finished the race. And, and I think of Paul as very much a driven person, but he's driven by Christ, right. by the gospel, empowered, fueled by the gospel. I think sometimes for me, it's self-fueling. You know, it's being driven by maybe fear, fear of man, the applause of man, the desire to be able to say, I did that. So there's a boasting pride aspect of it. And I think that that's definitely happens, you know? So, Mm. you know, I was talking to um, my prayer partner and he was asking me, what are the prayer requests I have? And I was sharing with him the schedule of this coming Easter. And it was, you know, preaching those numerous times and praying and he was, he said, does that sort of lead into your, like feed into your drivenness? 
And I said, it can. So that's the danger. It's like, it's the tension. And this is where I think it really is significant how we understand this idea of orphanness and sonship is that the orphanness, the very things that we do for the Lord can also be, it can switch back and forth in my heart towards my own self-glory, but then in repentance, go back and want to do for the Lord, but it look might look exactly the same externally, right? So externally, I might be doing a ton of things or I might be doing very few things and I could be doing either for the Lord or my own glory. And, you know, that's always this jumping back and forth. So I think the, the idea of those two charts, if you notice that there's a, there was, it was numbered and then there was a correspondent, it was almost correspondent one-to-one where the orphanness the flip side of that, which revealed sonship, but they both dealt with the same characteristic. I think that's sort of the fight of faith, you know, that it's the, it's the living out of the gospel on a day-to-day basis in a world where I'm still battling sin, but I am being sanctified. I am in Christ. I am assured of that salvation because of what Christ has done. I am assured of that sonship because he has purchased us by his blood. And that is a regular part of it. And rather than running away from that tension, we live in that tension. We pray to God. We thank him for giving us the power upon which we can actually still obey him in view of what Christ has done for us. What do you think? I appreciate that. Either you could do a lot or do a little, and it could still be for the wrong reasons, yeah. the orphan-like character yes. reasons. The gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus uh, the great exchange mm-hmm. and who he is in our lives and what he has done for us. That growth in that is trying to get the heart mm-hmm. driven mm-hmm. so that whatever we do mm-hmm. would be to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the fight of faith, as you mm-hmm. just said. And so it's not actually how it looks in some, some mm-hmm. ways, mm-hmm. but it's more of how do we address that heart right. constantly? Like, right. address that heart. What's the purpose of your performance? What's the end goal of this performance? But when you get to the level of the heart, mm-hmm. that's when you say, oh, I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. I really need, because I can't change that. Right. Oh, I need to ask you this question because it's uh, one that we've been talking a lot about recently, which is the question of excellence. Because excellence, on the one hand, can sound like, absolutely sound like performance, right? Um, performance-driven faith. Pursuit of excellence. Pursuit of excellence. Excellence. I mean, it could be from, I know a lot of you are excellent at your work. You want your children to be excellent at what they're doing. But it also could be, we want, I don't know, like the building to look excellent. We want our music to sound excellent. We want the graphics to look excellent. On the one, and it's very similar to what I just shared about how the same thing can be either performance-driven or gospel-driven. How do you... Do something excellently, but do it from a gospel-driven motivation rather than a performance orphan-driven motivation. How do you have the gospel Mm -hmm. drive excellence? Yes. I can give you a response on how you know it's not the gospel that's driving that excellence. Okay. And I quote Linda, who was in our group, where uh, and she pointed out, yeah, when you, you want something done, you're in control, you're performing well, it's you're putting a lot of effort in there. 
but it doesn't turn out the way that you want. Mm. You get angry or you're way over anxious. It shows. Or let's say it does work out. Mm -hmm. It also shows in your boasting. Right. Yeah. But that there's always a revealing of the heart. And that revealing shows a lot about, well, was it really about you or is it, was it really for the honor of God mm. and praise of him and a testimony of who Christ is in mm -hmm. life? That's yeah. the easier yeah. answer to no, it's good. how does the gospel drive excellence? Yeah. One is that I think it doesn't mean that if we're in the gospel, it automatically assumes something cannot be excellent. And I think there is sometimes the assumption that that is the case, that, oh, if you really want to be humble and then you want to be in the gospel, then you don't really need to make things look good. It's going to be mediocre. Yeah. you Mediocrity is okay. Yeah. Acceptable. Acceptable. Right. And again, I think maybe category misappropriations is there because we aren't saying that uh, there's no place for things to not work out or to not look so great because sometimes that really happens. And when that happens, like you just said, if anger or anxiety flows out of our hearts, that's something seriously amiss. And definitely it's not the gospel that's driving what we're doing in our motivations. But I do think that there is a place to say, okay, God has given us certain gifts and we want to honor him. And so therefore we want to, we want people to see that that we think of this as so important that we're willing to give all of our effort not so that people will say oh wow fuji did such a great job but rather that people will like the retreat is an example of this is that our greatest desire is that people would come to the retreat and not think this is so much fun or this is awesome but they would just be so uh prepared to worship and to love and to adore Christ and that they would see that people around them want that too by their efforts, by their energies and that we do it out of joy. There's no sense of obligation or, and I really believe that took place through, through God's kindness and he heard our prayers. Um, but definitely if anger flowed out of that, or, I mean, for example, the, uh, you know, we did a lot of preparation for the music brought so much stuff and even all that stuff we were running into all these problems it was so tempting to be frustrated and anxious so i think two things to me show the power of the gospel one is the battling of sin because it's definitely not oh there's not gonna be temptation there's always temptation to sin so in that instance there's temptation to sin but I would say secondly is repentance and that's what I'm, you know one of the marks of the son that I saw is a son actually is repentant, meaning we will fail, actually. You know what I mean? Like we will fail. And the gospel sometimes is shown in this side of heaven so often through our repentance. And when we sin against our children, which we will do to ask for forgiveness for our children is a picture of the gospel. Like someone like us going to someone obviously, quote, lesser than mm. us, like our children, and yet we're asking for their forgiveness. That's hard. But that repentance is the gospel playing out. So when we do fail, if let's say the instance where you, you do get angry in excellence, in pursuing excellence, you're training up someone, they fail, you, you blow up, you know, you blow up on them. That will happen sometimes. We, we get disappointed because maybe they dropped the ball. 
It's not even a mistake. It's just they became lazy. So they dropped the ball. I might not even show my anger um, by yelling at them, but I might show them in maybe like a little word here or there that just sort of says, oh yeah, I knew you'd be like that. You know? <laughs> but that's anger, right? I'm, I'm sort of throwing a jab at them, but that jab is another euphemism for anger. And I have to repent and then I have to say, you know what, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Even though, I, even though they dropped the ball and maybe they will through that see and then come up to this level of saying Let, let's do this together we can do this and maybe i'm that's part of the mentoring process with that person maybe it might mean this isn't for them this particular role and that might come along as well so i don't think it's necessarily about the role or whether they actually become that but it's how do we repent how do we process the gospel love the person be gracious even when they fail or we fail what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, as the gospel drives us towards excellence, that, you know, the attitude, our, you know, spiritual and uh, heart's attitude as we seek to do something excellently, that when we fail, we'll repent. Absolutely. Without that, I think it's just, you're just a taskmaster. Mm. You know, you're going after something and you're going to control it. You're going to micromanage it. And if people get in the way, you're going to push them aside, which I have done in the yes. past for the sake of excellence, but a heart's, a gospel driven heart will not do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Interesting thought you brought up before. It's an experience that I think we all have is, especially if you grew up in the church or spent a lot of time in the church is, you know, you've heard this before adoption, mm -hmm. right? Have you? I didn't. Um, I didn't hear it in the well, church. Well, like yourself, like G.I. Packers, yes. both knowing God. Yeah. But that was way later. Yeah. Did but, you hear it when you were a kid? I don't so, remember hearing this as a youth kid. No, or I don't remember. But I think the phenomenon is, if you went to a pretty good church, it probably was mentioned, but you don't remember it. Or unless you have a good memory, and you really don't remember anybody ever talking about it. My guess is, you can push back on this, but my guess is that it was mentioned in passing, or it was an assumed thing by the uh, pastors or teachers and so on counselors but because of the way they presented it you don't we don't really remember it it never really took hold and what i was stressing with my group is what we're trying to do the gospel is take the most important things about the gospel and essential truths of the gospel that we really need to have as our operating system on a day-to-day -day basis we got to remember it this time and remember it not just as piecemeal, but as a whole, mm -hmm. so that you remember it for the next 20 to 30 years of your life. But I don't want others to experience where 20 years down the line, somebody teaches them adoption. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why did Wellspring never teach it? Because, you know, I heard the gospel when I was a kid. I probably was mostly about justification. But um, I'm sure some of them was tr were trying to get like the gospel for sanctification somewhere in there. But I didn't have ears to hear. I don't think I heard it at all. <laughs> and the reason is because I think we only heard, and as Thomas was talking about, we only heard about the imputation of sin, not the imputation of righteousness. So because of a lack of the imputation of righteousness, to me, adoption doesn't make sense without that. Because you have to, how do we become adopted? It, like, why does God adopt us into his family? 
So we might hear, like, for example, um, I know someone who, and I shared this with my group, who they went to a conference. The conference was called The Father Heart of God. It's all about, essentially, theologically about adoption, but they didn't mention adoption at all. Not the theology of adoption. It was very much a sort of an experiential understanding, a little bit more charismatic, you know, okay, a lot more. It was more on the vineyard side. And it was a vineyard conference on the Father Heart of God. And this person was impacted. They actually, it really was significant for them. They felt God loves me, but I feel like it's sort of, you, you get to a certain point, but it stops short. It's, it's like watching a good movie. You haven't gotten to the climax of the movie. You've gotten really close and suddenly it just stops and it's the end. And you go, wait a second. I don't understand the rest of the story. I feel like, I feel this is so exciting and my feelings are tingling and everything, but I don't understand why fully. So that's where I think this person got. And so they were impacted. I think it did impact their sense of identity to some extent, but it was never fleshed out and it never really got to the heart of the matter. And so I think that's generally how when we hear of the idea, because I don't know if you remember in the vineyard, um, vineyard music, they actually had a CD called The Father's Heart. Do you yes, remember I this? remember that. Yeah. I and remember they, the title. Yeah. yeah. They had yeah. Father's House, all these things. They talk about fatherhood a lot, but they don't talk about how you got to be a son or a daughter of the father and why the father actually delights in seeing you that way. And it's not just out of some, you know, sort of experiential feeling of God liking you a lot. It's because of the forensic act, the legal act that actually brought you into his family. That's missing completely. And so I, I feel as though for those who are grew up, grew up in say more of a charismatic context, that's their perspective. Those who grew up maybe more in um, either like a fundamentalist or maybe even like a conservative Presbyterian. I feel like conservative Presbyterians, they have reformed theology, which sort of has this, the underpinnings of all this, but I don't like Jack Miller, for example, he was a professor at Westminster Seminary. Most of the people at Westminster had no idea about what he was talking about, even though they all were, had the core baseline of reformed theology, which is the forensic side of, of uh, justification. And yet in terms of its application to sonship and adoption, that wasn't there either. Right. So I, I think this is, much more of a wider spread issue than... I, I agree. One. Two is, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt to some churches and some people. Maybe they heard it, they, mis they didn't take note of it. But as I'll argue in session five, when it comes to union with Christ is, I think that is the case where generally pastors do know about union with Christ. They rarely preach it. Mm. They rarely teach it. But then professors at Westminster, uh, I don't know, some 15 years ago, as well as lots of other people. Every person who talks about union when union with Christ will say this. The most important doctrine for the Christian life, which is union with Christ and adoption, right? They mm -hmm. go hand mm -hmm. in hand. And yet, the least talked about, which is crazy to me. The disconnect, why? Yeah, what, what, what is up with that? It has happened. So in that sense, I agree with you. I think the next... Gospel Well podcast, I want to, we got to tackle that question. Why is this the case? More. I want to go a little bit more. I feel like this is its own topic. Of why the church missed it? Yeah. 
I think there are even more reasons. Um, I I know some of you who have the same experience that both Fuji and I have. So if you have a idea that we haven't come up with, let us know because we we can think about that and wrestle with that as well. See you next time. Mahalo. Mahalo and see you later. <laughs> see you later.